Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, everyone loves a good spooky story. So with the lights turned low and a touch of fright, here are some stories that go bump in the night. There's no need to be frightened. It's only a story. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Frightened. I'm your host, Melinda, and as usual, I'll be joined by Rex and Buster. So while you may hear some jingles and clicks in the background, not to worry, it's no ghost, just a couple of puppy dogs. We're back after being gone for a couple of weeks, and tonight we're gonna do things a little differently and bring some fairy tales in. Don't worry though, they're frightening fairy tales. They're Grimm Brothers fairy tales. They're not the type that you and I normally think of. And each one has an unexpected dark twist. So sit back, pull the covers up tight, and prepare to be frightened. Our first story is called The Poor Boy in the Grave, a fairy tale by the Brothers Grimm. There once was a poor shepherd boy whose father and mother were dead, and he was placed by the authorities in the house of a rich man who was to feed him and bring him up. The man and his wife had, however, bad hearts and were greedy and anxious about their riches and vexed whenever anyone put a morsel of bread in his or her mouth. The poor young fellow might do what he liked. He got little to eat, but only so many blows the more. One day he had to watch a hen and her chickens, but she ran through a quick set hedge with them and a hawk darted down instantly and carried her off through the air. The boy called thief, thief, rascal, with all the strength of his body. But what good did that do? The hawk did not bring his prey back again. The man heard the noise and ran to the spot. And as soon as he saw that his hen was gone, he fell in a rage and gave the boy such a beating that he could not stir for two days. Then he had to take care of the chickens without the hen. But now his difficulty was greater for one ran here and the other ran there. He thought he was doing a very wise thing when he tied them all together with a string because then the hawk would not be able to steal any of them away from him but he was very much mistaken. After two days, worn out with running about and hunger, he fell asleep and the bird of prey came and seized one of the chickens and as the others were tied fast to it, it carried them all off together, perched itself on a tree and devoured them. The farmer was just coming home and when he saw the misfortune, he got angry and beat the boy so unmercifully that he was forced to lie in bed for several days. When he was on his legs again, the farmer said to him, Thou art too stupid for me. I cannot make a herdsman of thee. Thou must go as an errand boy. Then he sent him to the judge to whom he was to carry a basket full of grapes, and he gave him a letter as well. On the way, hunger and thirst tormented the unhappy boy so violently that he ate two of the bunches of grapes. He took the basket to the judge, but when the judge had read the letter and counted the bunches, he said, Two clusters are wanting. The boy confessed quite honestly that, driven by hunger and thirst, he had devoured the two which were wanting. The judge wrote a letter to the farmer and asked for the same number of grapes again. These also the boys had to take to him with a letter. As he again was so extremely hungry and thirsty, he could not help it and he ate two bunches. But first, he took the letter out of the basket, put it under a stone, and seated himself thereon in order that the letter might not see and betray him. The judge, however, again made him give an explanation about the missing bunches. Ah, said the boy, how have you learned that? 
Leonard could not know about it, for I put it under a stone before I did it. The judge could not help laughing at the boy's simplicity and sent the man a letter wherein he cautioned him to keep the poor boy better and not let him want for meat and drink, and also that he was to teach him what was right and wrong. I shall soon show thee the difference, said the hard man. If thou wilt eat, thou must work, and if thou dost anything wrong, thou shalt be quite sufficiently topped by blows. The next day he set him a hard task. He was to chop two bundles of straw for food for the horses, and then the man threatened. In five hours, said he, I shall be back again, and if the straw is not cut to chaff by that time, I will beat thee until thou canst move not a limb. The farmer went with his wife, the manservant, and the girl to the yearly fair, and left nothing behind for the boy but a small bit of bread. The boy seated himself on the bench and began to work with all his might. As he got warm over it, he put his little coat off and threw it on the straw. In his terror, lest he should not get done in time, he kept constantly cutting, and in his haste, without noticing, he chopped his little coat as well as the straw. He became aware of the misfortune too late. There was no repairing it. Ah, cried he, now all is over with me. The wicked man did not threaten me for nothing. If he comes back and sees what I have done, he will kill me. Rather than that, I will take my own life. The boy had once again heard the farmer's wife say, I have a pot with poison in it under my bed. She, however, had only said that to keep away greedy people, for there was honey in it. The boy crept under the bed, brought out the pot, and ate all that was in it. I do not know, said he. Folks say death is bitter, but it tastes very sweet to me. It is no wonder that the farmer's wife has so often longed for death. He seated himself in a little chair and was prepared to die. But instead of becoming weaker, he felt himself strengthened by the nourishing food. It cannot have been poison, thought he. But the farmer once said there was a small bottle of poison for flies in a box in which he keeps his clothes. That, no doubt, will be the true poison and bring death to me. It was, however, no poison for flies, but Hungarian wine. The boy got out the bottle and emptied it. This death tastes sweet too, said he, but shortly after when the wine began to mount into his brain and stupefy him, he thought his end was drawing near. I feel that I must die, said he. I will go away to the churchyard and seek a grave. He staggered out, reached the churchyard, and laid himself in a newly dug grave. He lost his senses more and more. In the neighborhood, there was an inn where a wedding was being kept. When he heard the music, he fancied that he was already in paradise, until at length he lost all consciousness. The poor boy never awoke again. The heat of the strong wine and the cold night dew deprived him of life, and he remained in the grave in which he had laid himself. When the farmer heard the news of the boy's death, he was terrified, and afraid of being brought to justice indeed. His distress took such a powerful hold of him that he fell fainting to the ground. His wife, who was standing on the hearth with a pan of hot fat, ran to help him. But the flames darted against the pan. The whole house caught fire. In a few hours it lay in ashes, and the rest of the years they had to live, they passed in poverty and misery, tormented by the pangs of conscience. Our next story is called The Goose Girl, once again by the Brothers Grimm. There was once an old queen whose husband had been dead for many years, and she had a very beautiful daughter. When she grew up, she was betrothed to a prince in a distant country. 
When the time came for the maiden to be sent in the distant country to be married, the old queen packed up quantities of clothes and jewels, gold and silver, cups and ornaments, and in fact, everything suitable to a royal outfit, for she loved her daughter very dearly. She also sent a waiting woman to travel with her and to put her hand into that of the bridegroom. They each had a horse. The princess's horse was called Falada, and it could speak. When the hour of departure came, the old queen went to her bedroom and with a sharp little knife, cut her finger and made it bleed. Then she held a piece of white cambric under it and let three drops of blood fall onto it. This cambric she gave to her daughter and said, Dear child, take good care of this. It will stand you in good stead on the journey. They then bade each other a sorrowful farewell. The princess hid the piece of cambric in her bosom, mounted her horse, and set out to her bridegroom's country. When they had ridden for a time, the princess became very thirsty and said to the waiting woman, Get down and fetch me some water in my cup from the stream. I must have something to drink. If you are thirsty, said the waiting woman, dismount yourself, lie down by the water and drink. I don't choose to be your servant. So in her great thirst, the princess dismounted and stooped down to the stream and drank, since she could not have her golden cup. The poor princess said, alas, and the drops of blood answered, if your mother knew this, it would break her heart. The royal bride was humble, so she said nothing but mounted her horse again. Then they rode several miles further, but the day was warm, the sun was scorching, and the princess was soon very thirsty again. When they reached the river, she called out again to her waiting woman, Get down and give me some water in my golden cup. She had forgotten all about the rude words which had been said to her. But the waiting woman answered more haughtily than ever, If you want to drink, get the water for yourself. I won't be your servant. Being very thirsty, the princess dismounted and knelt by the flowing water. She cried, Ah, oh, me! And the drops of blood answered, If your mother knew this, it would break her heart. While she stooped over the water to drink, the piece of cambric with the drops of blood on it fell out of her bosom and floated away on the stream, but she never noticed this in her great fear. The waiting woman, however, had seen it and rejoiced at getting more power over the bride, who, by losing the drops of blood, had become weak and powerless. Now, when she was about to mount her horse Falada again, the waiting woman said, By your rights, Falada belongs to me. This jade will do for you. The poor little princess was obliged to give way. Then the waiting woman, in a harsh voice, ordered her to take off her royal robes and to put on her own mean garments. Finally, she forced her to swear before heaven that she would not tell a creature at the court what had taken place. Had she not taken the oath, she would have been killed on the spot. But Falada saw all this and marked it. The waiting woman mounted Falada and put the real bride on her poor jade, and they continued their journey. There was great rejoicing when they arrived at the castle. The prince hurried toward them and lifted the waiting woman from her horse, thinking that she was his bride. She was led upstairs, but the real princess had to stay below. The king looked out of the window and saw the delicate, pretty little creature standing on the courtyard. So he went to the bridal apartment and asked the bride about her companion who was left standing on the courtyard and wished to know who she was. I picked her up on the way and brought her with me for company. Give the girl something to do to keep her from idling. But the old king had no work for her and could not think of anything. At last he said, I have a little lad who looks after the geese. She may help him. The boy was called Little Conrad, and the real bride was sent with him to look after the geese. Soon afterwards, the false bride said to the prince, Dear husband, 
I pray you do me a favor. He answered, That I will gladly do. Well then, let the knacker be called to cut off the head of the horse I rode. It angered me on the way. Really, she was afraid that the horse would speak and tell of the treatment of the princess. So it was settled and the faithful Falada had to die. When this came to the ear of the real princess, she promised the knacker a piece of gold if it would do her a slight service. There was a great dark gateway to the town through which she had to pass every morning and evening. Would he nail Falada's head in the gateway so that she might see him as she passed? The knacker promised to do as she wished, and when the horse's head was cut off, he hung it up in the dark gateway. Early in the morning, when she and Conrad went through the gateway, she said in passing, Alas, dear Falada, there thou hangest. The head answered, Alas, queen's daughter, there thou gangest. If thy mother knew thy fate, her heart would break with grief so great. Then they passed on out of town and right into the fields with the geese. When they reached the meadow, the princess sat down on the grass and let down her hair. It shone like pure gold, and when little Conrad saw it, he was so delighted that he wanted to pluck some out. But she said, Blow, blow, little breeze, and Conrad's hat sees. Let him join in the chase, while away it is whirled, till my tresses are curled, and I rest in my place. Then a strong wind sprang up, which blew away Conrad's hat right over the fields, and he had to run after it. When he came back, she had finished combing her hair, and it was all put up again so that he could not get a single hair. This made him very sulky, and he would not say another word to her, and they tended the geese till evening when they went home. Next morning when they had passed under the gateway, the princess said, Alas, dear Falada, there thou hangest. Falada answered, Alas, queen's daughter, there thou gangest. If thy mother knew thy fate, her heart would break with grief so great. Again, when they reached the meadows, the princess undid her hair and began combing it. Conrad ran to pluck some out, but she quickly said, Blow, blow, little breeze, and Conrad's hat sees. Let him join in the chase, while away it is whirled, till my tresses are curled and I rest in my place. The wind again sprang up and blew Conrad's hat far away over the fields, and he had to run after it. When he came back, the hair was all put up again, and he could not pull out a single hair, and they tended the geese till the evening. When they got home, Conrad went to the old king and said, I won't tend the geese with that maiden again. Why not? asked the king. Oh, she vexes me every day. The old king then ordered him to tell what she did to vex him. Conrad said, in the morning, when we pass under the dark gateway with the geese, she talks to a horse's head, which is hung up on the wall. She says, alas, Falada, there thou hangest. And the head answers, Alas, queen's daughter, there thou gangest. If thy mother knew thy fate, her heart would break with grief so great. Then Conrad went on to tell the king all that had happened in the meadow and how he had to run after his hat in the wind. The old king ordered Conrad to go out the next day as usual. Then he placed himself behind the dark gateway and heard the princess speaking to Falada's head. He also followed her into the field and hid himself behind a bush. And with his own eyes, he saw the goose girl and the lad come driving the geese into the field. Then after a time, he saw the girl let her hair down, which glittered in the sun. Directly after this, she said, Blow, blow, little breeze, and Conrad's hat sees. Let him join in the chase while away it is whirled, till my tresses are curled and I rest in my place. Then came a puff of wind, which carried off Conrad's hat, and he had to run after it. While he was away, the maiden combed and did up her hair, and all this the old king observed. 
Thereupon he went away unnoticed, and in the evening when the goose girl came home, he called her aside and asked why she did all these things. I may not tell you that, nor may I tell any human creature, for I have sworn to them to the open sky. If I had not done so, I should have lost my life. He pressed her sorely and gave her no peace, but he could get nothing out of her. Then he said, If you won't tell me, then tell your sorrows to the iron stove there. And he went away. She crept up to the stove and beginning to weep and lament, unburdened her heart and said to it, Here I am, forsaken by all the world, and yet I am a princess. A false waiting woman brought me to such a pass that I had to take off my royal robes. Then she took my place with my bridegroom, while I have to do mean service as a goose girl. If my mother knew, it would break her heart. The old king stood outside by the pipes of the stove and heard all that she said. Then he came back and told her to go away from the stove. He caused royal robes to be put upon her, and her beauty was a marvel. The old king called his son and told him that he had a false bride. She was only a waiting woman, but the true bride was here, so-called goose girl. The young prince was charmed with her youth and beauty. A great banquet was prepared to which all the courtiers and good friends were bidden. The bridegroom sat at the head of the table with the princess on one side and the waiting woman on the other. But she was dazzled and did not recognize the princess in her brilliant apparel. When they had eaten and drunk and were all very merry, the old king put a riddle to the waiting woman. What does a person deserve who deceives his master? Then he told the whole story and ended by asking, What doom does he deserve? The false bride answered, No better than this. He must be put stark naked into a barrel stuck with nails and be dragged along by two white horses from street to street till he is dead. That is your doom, said the king, and the judgment shall be carried out. When the sentence was fulfilled, the young prince married his true bride, and they ruled their kingdom together in peace and happiness. Our final story by the Brothers Grimm is The Robber Bridegroom. There once was a miller who had a beautiful daughter. When she grew up, he wanted to have her married and settled. He thought, if a suitable bridegroom comes and asks for my daughter, I will give her to him. Soon afterwards, a suitor came who appeared to be rich, and as the miller knew nothing against him, he promised his daughter. The maiden, however, did not like him as a bride ought to like her bridegroom, nor had she any faith in him. Whenever she looked at him or thought about him, a shudder came over her. One day he said to her, You are my betrothed, and yet you have never been to see me. The maiden answered, I don't even know where your house is. Then the bridegroom said, My house is in the depths of the forest. She made excuses and said she could not find the way. The bridegroom answered, Next Sunday you must come and see me without fail. I have invited some other guests, and so that you may be able to find the way, I will strew some ashes to guide you. When Sunday came and the maiden was about to start, she was frightened, though she did not know why. So that she should be sure of finding her way back, she filled her pockets with peas and lentils. At the entrance to the forest, she found the track of ashes and followed it, but every step or two she scattered a few peas left and right. She walked nearly the whole day, right into the midst of the forest where it was almost dark. Here, she saw a solitary house which she did not like. It was so dark and dismal. She went in, but found nobody, and there was dead silence. Suddenly a voice cried, Turn back, 
Turn back, thou bonny bride, nor in this house of death abide. The maid looked up and saw that the voice came from a bird in a cage hanging on the wall. Once more, it made the same cry. Turn back, turn back, thou bonny bride, nor in this house of death abide. The beautiful bride went from room to room, all over the house, but they were all empty. Not a soul was to be seen. At last, she reached the cellar, and there she found an old, old woman with a shaking head. Can you tell me if my bridegroom lives here? Alas, poor child, answered the old woman. Little dost thou know where thou art. Thou art in a murderer's den. Thou thoughtest thou was to be married, but death will be thy marriage. See here, I have had to fill this kettle with water, and when they have thee in their power, they will kill thee without mercy and cook and eat thee, for they are eaters of human flesh. Unless I take pity on thee and save thee, thou art lost. Then the old woman led her behind a great cask where she could not be seen. Be as quiet as a mouse, she said. Don't stir or all will be lost. Tonight, when the murderers are asleep, we will flee. I have long waited for an opportunity. Hardly had she said this when the riotous crew came home. They dragged another maiden with them, but as they were quite drunk, they paid no attention to her shrieks and lamentations. They gave her wine to drink, three glasses full, red, white, and yellow. After she drunk them, she fell down dead. The poor bride hidden behind the cask was terrified. She trembled and shivered, for she saw plainly to what fate she was destined. One of the men noticed a gold ring on the little finger of the murdered girl. As he could not pull it off, he took an axe and chopped the finger off, but it sprang into the air and fell into the lap of the bride behind the cask. The man took a light to look for it, but he could not find it. One of the others said, have you looked behind the big cask? But the old woman called out, come and eat and leave the search till tomorrow. The finger won't run away. The murderer said, the old woman is right. And they gave up the search and sat down to supper. But the old woman dropped a sleeping draught into their wine, so they soon lay down, went to sleep, and snored lustily. When the bride heard them snoring, she came out from behind the cask, but she was obliged to step over the sleepers as they lay in rows upon the floor. She was dreadfully afraid of touching them, but God helped her, and she got through without mishap. The old woman went with her and opened the door, and they hurried away as quickly as they could from this vile den. All the ashes had been blown away by the wind, but the peas and lentils had taken root and shot up and showed them the way in the moonlight. They walked the whole night and reached the mill in the morning. The maiden told her father all that she had been through. When the day which had been fixed for the wedding came, the bridegroom appeared and the miller invited all his friends and relations. As they sat at a table, each one was asked to tell some story. The bride was very silent, but when it came to her turn, the bridegroom said, Come, my love, have you nothing to say? Pray, tell us something. I will tell you a dream I have had, she answered. I was walking alone in a wood, and I came to a solitary house where not a soul was to be seen. A cage was hanging on the wall of one of the rooms, and in it was a bird which cried, Turn back, turn back, thou bonny bride, nor in this house of death abide. It repeated the same words twice. This was only a dream, my love. I walked through all the rooms, but they were all empty and dismal. At last, I went down to the cellar, and there sat a very old woman with a shaking head. I asked her, does my bridegroom live here? She answered, alas, you poor child, you are in a murderer's den. Your bridegroom indeed lives here, 
but he will cut you to pieces, cook you, and eat you. This was only a dream, my love. Then the old woman hid me behind a cask, but hardly had she done so when the murderers came home, dragging a maiden with them. They gave her three kinds of wine to drink, red, white, and yellow, and after drinking them, she fell down dead. My love, I was only dreaming this. They took her things off and cut her to pieces. My love, I was only dreaming. One of the murderers saw a gold ring on a little girl's finger, and as he could not pull it off, he chopped off the finger. But the finger bounded into the air and fell behind the cask upon my lap. Here is the finger with the ring. At these words, she produced the finger and showed it to the company. When the bridegroom heard these words, he turned pale as ashes and tried to escape. But the guests seized him and handed him over to justice. And he and all his band were executed for their crimes. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to rate and subscribe, like us on Facebook, and send us all of your spooky stories at frightenedpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, while today's story may have been spooky, there's no need to be frightened. It's only a story.